Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. An Irish independent digital subscription doesn't just get you the news. It gets you the best of Ireland's stories all in one place. Whether it's the best of politics, business, sport, entertainment or lifestyle. Get it all for just €4 Euro a month for 12 months when you first subscribe. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. Terms and conditions apply. Cancel any time. Download the top-rated ball sports app today for the latest odds on weekend GAA action and great money-back offers on every televised championship game. GAA betting with ball sports. Bring it on. You're listening to The Throw-In, the GA Championship podcast on independence.ie. Hello, I'm Frank Roach, and on this week's show, we're looking back on the highs and lows of the 2016 Hurling Championship. Tipperary are still celebrating their incredible victory over Kilkenny last Sunday. And the question now is, as we peer into our crystal ball for 2017, do we write off Kilkenny? Or can Tipperary establish a dominance uh, that they haven't achieved in, in many years at, at a sustained level? Or will Waterford's time be coming soon? Conor McKeown and Michael Verney are with me as always. And Michael, first of all, your thoughts on last Sunday's final? Yeah, I suppose we talked here in the studio here, we said maybe in the build-up that we didn't have maybe the trust in Tipperary and we hadn't seen, you know, we, we had to see before we believed. Well, we we saw on Sunday and it was pretty, you know, it was pretty outstanding performances. Probably one of the best All-Ireland performances in living memory, probably apart from maybe Kilkenny in 2008 against Waterford. Just from start to finish, they were in their faces and they created that space in front of the full forward line that they wanted. They got the sort of ball into the three boys inside. You know, we had talked about, you know, potentially the damage that they could do inside, but... I don't think anyone really envisaged just exactly what they would do and I suppose Kenny kind of fell into certain traps that they usually wouldn't. There was an awful lot of space in front of that full back line and you know, I suppose amazingly the full back line for Kenny stayed intact for seventy plus minutes, which was mad considering there was two fifteen scored off them. But yeah, it was a that was a phenomenal performance. Like to deliver your best on the biggest day, like and not your best, to deliver maybe even above your best and nothing like we'd seen before. That's that's what it's all about and you have to take your hats off Tipperary. Connor, what impressed you most about Tip? I honestly the, the what impressed me most about Tipperary was their lack of a complex or a visual complex or a discernible one about Kilkenny. Because like when we were analysing this last week we said or a lot of people felt that if you took the players and took the colour of the jerseys off them, that Tipperary were a more talented hurling team. But we had our doubts about whether they would perform in a final and how hung up they'd be about Kilkenny, who, like, I mean, it's just been a tyrannical relationship between the two counties since the 2010 All-Ireland Final. And they didn't, like, you know, there weren't fellas going for dirty blows. They didn't seem to really, really care who their opponents were, you know. And to be able to overcome that, to be so focused on 
the mechanical elements of their performance and to execute them all so brilliantly, I just thought was exceptional. They really didn't, not that they kind of disrespected Kilkenny in any way, but I, I think they would have hurled the exact same game had it been Waterford or Galway or anybody else in the All-Ireland final. They did not. And Mick Ryan afterwards, in fairness, like we we asked him and he said, look, you know, you have to kind of park history. Like there's an awful lot made of these things and it's probably a little bit more made of it outside the camp. And maybe that's only Tipperary that can say that, you know, because, you know, culturally and historically they would feel themselves as being kind of hurling blue bloods as well. That, you know, OK, we get beaten by Kilkenny so many times, but, you know, we know that if we can stick to our performance, we would beat them. And that was it was the it was the embodiment uh, of the entire performance. Like they do have all those moving parts. There's no doubt. Like we knew Seamus Callum was a glorious talent that Bubbles O'Dwyer, like he must be the most outrageously just stick work skillful hurler in the country. But the fact that they all got them to a place where they all did it on the day was I suppose management wise you'd have to be hugely impressed as well with Mick Ryan. It's you know, we don't get a real sense when we talk to managers what they actually do, but um, you know, he definitely got all the he definitely got all the parts working in the working in the right way on it just the right time. Because besides anything else that was a massive step up from their All Ireland semi final performance, you know, a huge step up. Like there's there's no comparison between the two. Just on something Connor said there, it was amazing. And the reason I think a lot of hurling people would want to go to Crow Park for these games is to look at the matchups, to look at the things that are going on off the ball. But Tipperary hurled the whole game on their own terms. You know, we talk about Kilkenny's physicality, and I was expecting to see bits and pieces going on off the ball, particularly on the likes of Callan. Like you have to, you have to pull and drag, and you have to try and get your advantage. But it was all hurled on Tipperary's mm. terms. They, as he said, as Connor said, they probably do have the more talented hurlers, and they made sure the game was hurled on drone terms. Brian Gavin didn't have to give out a yellow card. I don't even think there was even talk of a yellow card, apart from maybe Walter Walsh running into the Cottle Barrett at the start. They completely hurled the game on their terms. They opened them up. They created all the space. And I know like, maybe there was differences between the game on Sunday and Eamon O'Shea's type of play, but they still opened up that space. They still were able mm. to find that movement in the forward line. The amazing thing is, is that Kilkenny didn't, they didn't counteract it at all and they just let it all happen. It was, it was strange. We, yeah. There was one point early on um, not early on, sorry, there was a point in the first half when it was very, at, it was about 20 minutes in when it looked very obvious that Callan was going to have a serious day. And I can't remember who was in possession of the ball. It might have been Noel McGrath out in the left wing, almost in his own midfield. And Callanan stood in behind Joey Holden and he pointed one way and Holden saw the finger. So he turned. Callanan turned went back the other way. But the fact was, Holden had to go that way because there was 20 yards of empty mm. space to his right. And Callanan had the option of going the other way, which is what he essentially what he eventually did, because there was twenty yards of space on the other side. And mm. like people talk about, you know, why didn't Cody drop a man back? Why didn't he use a sweeper? Like it, those terms are ridiculous. Cody will always say we'll never use a sweeper, and he probably never will. But in the past, Kilkenny have lined up in such a way that their half back line have not followed their men around have given their full back line huge protection. Like, Brian Hogan won All-Stars for for sitting in front of his full back line and pulling balls out of the sky. But for whatever reason, Cody deemed that maybe he just thought that their half-forward line, that the likes of Bonnermar and McCormack and Noel McGrath, that they had to go with them or else they damaged them further out the pitch. But I still think, besides Callan and Bubbles, they were brilliant and everything else. But the, mo- the most impressive element of the performance, uh, tactically and in its execution, was how the Waterford half or the temporary half forward line were just primed to push up any time any member of the Kilkenny fullback line won the ball and they hit them so hard. Like there were there were 
Kenny like Prendergast at one stage snapped the ball up into his hand and just as he had it into his hand he got savaged by Bonnarmar and they turned it over and they got a point off it and I looked at it again I think it's somewhere around 110 or 111 came from Kilkenny turnovers and not, very few of them you could actually blame mm. Kilkenny players because That's a were, different type of targeting as well that's not targeting a man okay we're going to skin this lad we're going to put a lad in that's targeting a man in possession yeah. as in the cornerback has possession we don't think he's that comfortable on the ball yeah. we're going to target him straight away and they did that and they did that with Holden they did it with as I say we did it with Prendergast as well. It's like they did it with almost, Paul Murphy. Like yeah. Paul Murphy has been the best, most consistent in terms of you know all round. Okay, you can make an argument for Mickey Cahill or Barrett, but Paul Murphy has been one of the most outstanding hurlers in the country. Like he got man of the match against Dublin earlier on this year in a match that they won by a streak because he was pulling balls out of the sky and his striking is superb. Mm. But he got it. He yeah. got absolutely etched, you know. But you touched on there about the turnovers. But I remember in the first half where it was still a game and Tipper only two points up at half time. They had set the agenda. I counted five points where there were turnovers affected by temporary forwards in the Kilkenny half of the field. Mm. And points came straight from it. Mm. So I think there probably was almost an element of shell shock in the Kilkenny in the Kilkenny team because mm. they literally did not have a second to breathe. The second they had the ball, it was just it was gas, yeah. They were in possession of the ball and, you know, in control, yeah. shall we say. But they were just swallowed up. There was men in on but top John of them. John McGrath's goal was the like I mean that was the icing on the cake for all of that. That was you know this is what we've been doing all day, and this is how we've finally gone and won the game. Bubble O'Dwyer, Bubble's goal was absolutely a thing of beauty. Like you know the mm. just everything you want in a hurler, the ability to beat his man. It was unfortunate that Murphy lost the stick. I don't think it mattered. Yeah, threw the ball. Yeah. Like, he actually, the, if you look at the strike, like it's not that he threw it in front and jumped into it. He had to. He dropped it in such a way and got his wrist and. Where the ball went into the net, it was a thing of beauty. But just for for a team, you know, the level of satisfaction they must have got out of the second goal had to have been enormous because they'd done it all day mm. and they were taking the game to Kilkenny and they were empty in their backs when they came out in possession of the ball and they got a direct goal off it. Like that had to have... They must have known at that stage it was going to be their day regardless of what in, they did. In fairness, in defensive tip teams of the last five years, even though they had this record where Kilkenny kept beating them, in most of those games, it wasn't a case that Tip didn't perform. They mm. hurled at an incredible level in the 2014 All-Ireland Final. They yeah. set the agenda for most of that. They gave them socks of it in two league finals in a row in 13 and 14. But it's just mm. Kilkenny I think knew it, how to win those games. It, but maybe we can see there that the balance of power has tilted yeah. and that Kilkenny, it's clear as day that they don't have the squad they had a few years ago. Uh, Brian Cody obviously doesn't think it either because in a game where they were beating up a stick last Sunday he waited until the hour to make that was a bit mad it was a bit mad to see the three of them huddling with 15 to go and they just it just didn't look like they knew what to do Mm -hmm. there was no didn't look like there was cards to be pulled and you know, and of all the switches to make, they still didn't switch the full back line, which was the most mm. obvious of them all. Like, and it's interesting that Brian has said that he won't uh, that he won't scapegoat the full back line, but but you'll find it hard to believe that. that Prendergast and Holden in particular will still be holding those positions for championship next year or you'd have to there'd be some sort of changes like but maybe he blamed it out the field maybe he blamed the ball that was coming in and the ball that coming in was coming in was pretty outstanding as well but uh, yeah he just what he won't he won't say it outwardly he obviously doesn't believe the panel is anywhere near as strong as it was even though I'm sure he won't say it like poor Jackie Turrell who's been a legend Mm. for the last decade and more Uh, the fact that he didn't get Game time of any of uh, any game time last Sunday suggests he, that we probably won't see him again in Kilkenny jersey. Like even up front this year, right? He started John Joe Farrell, who got two nine at the first sign 
of John Joe not doing it. Owen Larkin was back into the team. There was a bit of movement around going on in. Blanchfield got in, then Mark Bergen got in, and then Kevin Kelly got in for the All-Ireland final. And then even still, after all those people skipped him, John Power never got a run. John Power came on and made, I think he got two points last year in the All-Ireland final. He was absolutely brilliant. So, um, you know, there's obviously fellas that looked like they were going to be very good that haven't shown Cody that they're worthy of getting on in an All-Ireland final. Imagine being John Joe. Imagine scoring 2-9 from play in the first two games of the year. Imagine you had said, Kilkenny are going to be in the All-Ireland final, he's, not, he's going to be fully fit and he's not going to play a minute. And he would have been, had Cody made more changes up front, like if you were going by his recent selections, he would have been behind Mark Bergen and John Joe Farrell. Or, it's, or, almost though, it's almost as if Brian Cody looked at the drawn semi-final against Waterford and made up his mind that John Power and John Joe just weren't, they weren't going yeah. to feature for him. Must have had. And just on, on the Jackie situation, it's, it's funny with Cody, like no more than Tommy Walsh in 2014, and even Henry to a lesser extent, it's it's almost like once he thinks maybe your days are numbered, that that's it. Like, yeah. and it's funny. Like, Jackie probably would have struggled. Anybody would have struggled going in mm. there Sunday. Do you know what I mean? And maybe he thought, God, I don't. Is it even worthwhile making a switch here? Or maybe he thought they were going to be showed up. But once he thinks that you're going to struggle at that level, it just seems to be that's it. There's kind of a line written underneath it. You know. Here's the thing, like in the run-up to the All-Ireland final, uh, Michael Ryan spoke about Kilkenny as the masters of intensity. They've also been the masters of defence, suffocating space yeah. for years and years. Last April, the league semi-final in Thurles against Clare, they conceded uh, a record total league or championship under Cody. I think it was 4.22 or something. Yeah, big score, yeah. Last Sunday, they conceded 2.29, which eclipsed that. I mean, people are going to wonder... What does this What does this mean for Kilkenny next year when they're leaking like a sieve in the really big matches? Yeah, but they've always gone. Just when you expected Kilkenny maybe to follow suit to what other teams do, which is in this case, and what most teams seem to be doing is bringing a forward back and acting as a sweeper. He's always backed his defenders to defend a little close. Like the first half against Galway in the Leinster final, they looked like they were in a bit of trouble at halftime. Very similar position to the All Ireland final, and the second half. They just upped that intensity. Like they were just a little bit closer to their men all over the pitch. They just competed a little bit more ferociously for the ball in the air. Like I suppose this comes down to a lot of things. I, I was reading um, Eamon Fitzmaurice quotes about the Dublin footballers, and people were saying he wanted to put to bed this theory about um, Dublin having more pace. And he says, people think Dublin have more pace because they're always running at you. But the reason they're always running at you is that they have the ball. And Kilkenny just didn't really have the ball last weekend. It was the same sort of situation. Like they couldn't, you know, when they when they started dominating possession in the All Ireland or in the Leinster final th- this year, they dominated the game. And at the weekend, Tipperary owned the ball and they moved it absolutely superbly. Now, part of that was facilitated by the fact that they were opening up massive gaps to shoot the ball into. There was one point that came from Seamus Callan in the second half. I don't know if you remember where I think there was three touches from the from the full back line. He killed it on a stick, he turned and he put it over the bar. Oh, the one in the first half, uh, I think the uh, ball came in. It would have been the greatest uh, goal of all time, that oh, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, if that had hit the back, mm, like, yeah, that was phenomenal. Yeah. He actually held off all of them at one hand and put the other hand up. And but they did, they did what they wanted to do and they did it because they own possession of the ball and they own possession of the ball because people like Ronan Maher and Paddy Maher and particularly Dan McCormack I felt as well and Bonner Mar, they just savaged their men in the air you know they just won possession all over the pitch that was the really interesting thing now is that Kilkenny are the masters of aerial ball mm. like there was very few aerial balls won 
and any break Tipperary seemed to be onto it like there was two lads competing for a ball but it seemed to be even if the Tipperary lad didn't catch it he had the little advantage or it was just he made sure it was breaking towards his man's way that, that was what's really unusual and Kilkenny were uh, under pressure against Waterford on the high ball as well so but, but people it, are attacking that, their strength almost but that, 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 that yeah. just shows you the, the change in the Tipperary team like besides John McGrath right who was always going to make it he's a, he's a brilliant hurler he's an artist like you know what I mean he's one of those the fellas that have been brought in this year by Mick Ryan Kennedy, Ronan Maher, Dan McCormack. Like they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're not the archetypal Tipperary hurler like fellas with, um, um, you know, fellas with glorious silky talent to put into the team. And there's plenty of them lying around, mm. by the way, in Tipperary. What he did was he put more steel into the team. And more steel into the team meant that they could win more ball, that they could dictate the physical terms, and that meant that people like Bubbles and Noel McGrath and Jamie Callum would get plenty of ball to do their thing on. And that's, I think, what it broke down to. That That's, you know, obviously you need everybody performing and doing their jobs at a high level to beat Kilkenny, but that's how, you know, they think they won so easily, was that the, the, the groundwork, the foundation, was the fact that, that they had huge possession of the ball where they wanted it. But that brings us back, Michael, you mentioned the, the semi-final uh, against Waterford, and I'm just looking at, I'm not 100% sure of the record, but my puckout stats from the replay in Thurles, a game that Kilkenny won, and in fairness, they set the agenda for a fair bit of it, it was nearly, I think it was 2-1 to one or so. No, it was. Yeah, yeah. So in other words, the Kilkenny half-back line is under pressure uh, on the opposition puckout, and their half-forward line is not winning the ball that they, that was used to be their forte. Um, it does beg the question of what Cody does now in terms of transformation of his team. Like, he's going to have to do, let's say, a pretty serious overhaul, do you think? Yeah, I'd, Im- I'd imagine someone like Kieran Joyce could be in a bit of trouble, I'd say. Like, he's been dropped earlier on this year he was taken off after an hour the other day and in trouble someone like Rob Lennon these sort of guys I think he's going to try and maybe mould a few of these guys into certain positions mm-hmm. I think he probably feels he has to after the other day and just it was interesting chatting to Brian out in City West on Monday I wouldn't say he was defiant or bullish but by no means he, he seems to think that there are players there that we haven't seen yet yeah, James Maher is a fella who yeah. look, looks really good in the league um, actually the day against Tipperary the four, four exact, points in it, yeah. he's a yeah. fella that looked like he's going to come really really good and in fairness Kevin Kelly had a great game he came on and got two late goals that time now you could argue he could have had three goals at the weekend but he's at least at the right age of the age spectrum he looks like he has strength and he looks like he has a bit of pace about him so everything else you'd imagine when they're in that environment will come so I'd, like you know, yeah, and he has a minor pedigree. He was yeah, a serious exactly, minor. Yeah. Can I tell you, Terry, I have actually was thinking about it the other day. I think if Michael Fenley gets back fit, I think Cody would put him centre back. That's where he played with Ballyhale. Um, I think it would actually, I think it would suit him to a certain extent at this stage of his career. Mm. And I think they could build a defence around him for a couple of years. Give That's it. just a thought because I don't think he'd be able for those rampaging runs up and down the field if he does get back. But that's all well and good. I think if you start Bonner Mar at centre half forward, if you have somebody like Ozzy Gleeson who's like trying to take it to you on the ground and every other which way, that might not suit either, you know. And if you do something like that, like you have to stick with it. Yeah, I just think to. it's going to take something slightly radical like mm. that, maybe. Well, last word on the final per se before we uh, move on to our overall review of the year, Michael Fenley. How big of a loss was he last Sunday? He wasn't a nine-point difference, but... Well, if you think about it this way, like, the fact that he... Like, even in the very basic of where the players played, Conor Fogarty went back into centre-back against um, Waterford in the replay in Torles, and he had a very, very good game there. Like, he, like, you know, we know him as this kind of defensive midfield player who lets, be it Richie Hogan or Mick Fenley or whoever it is, attack the whole time. But he did very well there. And I think if Mick Fenley had have been fit... 
I think Conor Fogarty would have played centre back. Joyce never would have got destroyed. Um, now maybe he would have got destroyed, but you probably like he was definitely in a better vein of form um, this season than Karen Joyce. So even just from that very practical level, and then if you take what Mick Fenley brings, that's we're talking about. Fellas like Bonner Maher and Dan McCormack having a, and Ronan Maher having a huge bearing on the All Ireland final because they were physically strong and good in the air. Well, you know, Ronan Maher, that's the other thing that Mick Fenley did incredibly well down in Torless was they pushed him straight up um, on top of Tyke the Borka uh, on Kilkenny's puckouts. And the Borka had probably his least effective game in the air all season. And if you can imagine that Kilkenny would have taken the same strategy on Ronan Maher. I don't think Ronan Maher would have had the game. Well, now we're speculating, but mm. it, you, you, like just just to take that line of reasoning into the final, I don't think he would have had the same but game. Quite a few of Kilkenny's big scores in that games, I think at least one of one or if not both goals as well came from that McFenley winning the mm. ball, but getting in the way, yeah. causing disruption. Yeah, and oh, two yeah. Seconds, like was, three seconds later, it was actually handful, the ball wasn't a handful for everybody, and they just didn't have that kind of handful there, you know. And I think Colin Fenley was the fellow who suffered in a big way because there was nobody winning the ball and giving him possession of the thing, um, like. He was brilliant that night down in Torres. We were sitting beside mm. each other. Yeah, and like he's phenomenal. Like, yeah. he, like as you say, he he takes attention. No more than Callan in the semi final against Galway. He didn't score at him, but by God, he took attention and he took their best player mm. away from the edge of the square. Mm. And just on that as well, I think like the forgotten man is Jerry Elward as well, who'll be back fit next year. Mm. Like he's a three or three or four points a game man, mm. and he's. He's small, but by God, he's physical. Yeah, I still as well. think that whatever happens, if you have TJ Reid and Richie Hogan in your team you can probably find the rest of the lads. Like, they're two special, special fellas. Mm. Richie Hogan, he's only a footnote in the story of that All-Ireland final, but he produced two passes that are worth going back again. There was one where he came through and he picked out Kevin Kelly. Yeah. And, and like this this is a new sort of a hurler. You don't see, it's like a it's like a playmaker in soccer. The, the play is all in front of them. They're coming with it. And he just gets his stick in such a way and he picks out an absolutely perfect pass to Kevin Kelly on the edge of the square. And only a few minutes later, his peripheral vision, the same thing. He picked out Porrick Walsh on the right, front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were beautiful, beautiful passes. It was like something out of Anders Iniesta or something. Like, really, like... You know, you don't see that kind of hurling playmaker who like mm. uses peripheral vision and short sticks and pings little balls he, out of the wings, but he's just magnificent. Even the quality of his goal finish, I mean, that's been ah, forgotten yeah, as well. Oh, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Like, there was no stop, like, that's an unstoppable shot. Like, it was just bang, ball drop, bang, back of the net as well, you know. And you mentioned, like, the, Richie has been great for most of the summer. Richie's been uh, brilliant for TJ, four years. Like. Yeah, oh, yeah, fabulous. Yeah. But, like, TJ Reid, just, there was something not quite there mm, for nearly yeah. all season. And if you get TJ Reid back to the level we know he's capable of. Oh, God, yeah. Like, if you get TJ back to where he's a goal threat again, or he's in around the goals, for whatever reason he was out the field, mm. they obviously, but like, if he can get in around the goals again, if he can start getting the, the two, three points, the one, two per game, like, he's going to be, he'll have some be in his bonnet now next year to have a big, big year because he didn't, for whatever reason, it just didn't happen this year, you know? And the hurlers we mentioned there, they're all class hurlers, like, and if they're all clicking on a day, like, anybody that writes off Kilkenny, I tell you. You'd be very foolish. Listen, we'll move on from last Sunday to our overall reflections on the, the hurling championship. Uh, first up, how good or bad was it? Uh, uh, who I wants was, to go first there, Connor? I thought it was hugely disappointing and it followed um it followed a very unexpected cycle since like since two thousand and thirteen. I remember we were in Crow Park and there was another replay, it was a Saturday evening. Uh, and the lights were on and it was just very very special and Clare had come again and we'd had two brilliant games and we'd had a season of shocks and upsets and close matches and exciting hurling now in hindsight maybe it wasn't 
to the standards that the great teams that have won all Ireland's before and afterwards. But we just thought that this was it, you know, that 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 they were coming, they were coming in a big, big way. That Cork and Clare were back. Dublin were very unlucky not to win that mm-hmm. All Ireland semi final, and the idea of a Dublin team challenging it at the latter end of the championship was going to bring a new dynamic. We might see and Hill sixteen, and the whole thing was going to move on. Mm-hmm. Not that anybody, I don't think, felt that. Kikenny or Tipperary were going to go away but just that they would have more company at the top table and what we've had for the three seasons since are some brilliant games at the latter end of the championship brilliant some of the greatest games ever I feel but prior to that it's just been sorting out the wheat from the chaff and like the two provincial championships this year were brutal the the Munster final was terrible and what happened in Leinster bar Kikenny's second half squeezes against Dublin and Galway there's nothing really you, you, you can remember Michael, is is that because uh, the standard of several of the other counties has fallen away, or is it the intrusion of, God forbid, tactics and hurling, and that this led to an awful lot of boring matches early in the yeah, season? Yeah, well, I think that's a lot of it. And the last four games were magnificent, yeah. But you can't forget what we had to endure from May to July. Like some of it, like Tip and Cork in particular, just that was that was hard watch. Like, and I think hopefully, like. You know, we we say about teams and tactics and defensive systems and this kind of crack, but hopefully, like teams will realise at the end of the day, do you want to be competitive or do you want to have a serious chance of winning something? Because by all accounts, the only way you can win anything in hurling at the moment, bar two thousand thirteen, which just seems to be a, a one off, is to go man on man. And this defensive system, at the end of the day, you just don't clock up the scores that you need to to win. So you'd be hoping that teams might look at it and like Cork were a mile away from winning All Ireland and play the defensive system. You'd imagine maybe they'd still be a mile away from it, but maybe they'd play 15 on 15 and give themselves a chance and express themselves because yeah. they have enough good hurlers up front to do that. And you'd be hoping, like, Derek McGrath probably realised the penny Penny probably dropped a small bit. While they, I can't say they hurled conventional against Kilkenny the two days, they hurled a lot more offensively. So you'd imagine that they would think, OK, we were two points off Kilkenny. We were, we were, we were essentially one foot in an All-Ireland final. So... We just need to tweak it a small bit more, like, and they went away from their defensive system to get to to get that close. So you'd be hoping that other teams would follow suit as well. Connor, as a dub, you mentioned your your county there and and how close they were in two thousand and thirteen. Now, again, you can't trust linear form graphs, but uh, Dublin lost Cork, who lost to Wexford, who were hammered by Waterford, who eventually lost to Kilkenny, who were then hammered by Tip. Are Dublin that far off it now? It's just nearly, nearly down with Offaly, isn't it? This is, the cla- <laughs> this is the classic one, Frank. We were beaten by the county champions by a pint in the quarter-final. James boys, we were good enough. We, we yeah, had a county title in yeah. our grasp. Like. Yeah. No, I don't think they're that far off. I think what we've seen was probably, despite maybe some of the, the friction that has gone on in Dublin the last couple of years, we've probably seen an inevitable process. You know, like Before Anthony Daly took over, nobody really had any sense of who the Dublin hurling team were. And they had a very discernible personality through his reign, uh, both you know, through his personality and the fact that the team's characters, you know, stayed very much there. But by the time Jerry Cunningham took over, I think maybe the team's characters were on the way in a small bit. Now, he expediated a few exits. Um, I think he caused a few exits that he mightn't have wanted um, by, by, I don't know, how would you say, by falling out with lads, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's trying to change the style of the team, um, which is fair enough. But at times this year, they played some decent hurling. They brought fellas, he's, he's done the only thing he can possibly do, which is bring through the next best fellas who are young. But like a, like a lot of those fellas didn't go and beat Galway in an under-21 semi-final an extra time recently. And I'm sort of half expecting Galway to be savage this weekend by Waterford. So, 
you know, he's backing himself as a coach, I think, to bring fellas on um, in a big, big way. And maybe you're right, maybe if you expose them at 19 and 20 rather than 22, 23, by the time they get to 22, 23, they will be up there with the best. But, it's you know, it's a big thing to take on. And, you know, you're looking at the leaders of the team, fellas like Paul Schutte and uh, Liam Rush to kind of, you know, show serious leadership over the next couple of years. I'd say there will be a few more retirements as well from the team as well. But, you know, I suppose that the... the, the Danny Sutcliffe in the room is Danny Sutcliffe like mm-hmm. you know I mean he if you look at Ozzy Gleeson Gleeson is an extraordinary hurler but I think what makes Gleeson so brilliant is that he has all the skills like you could play mm-hmm. him everywhere and I'm, I'm not comparing Danny to Ozzy Gleeson in terms of you know the standard that he's hurled at yet at an inter-county level but he has that like he has mm-hmm. that speed he has a bit of size he, he can score he can tackle he can win ball in the air and he's as bold as brass he's brash on the mm-hmm. pitch like he you know he didn't care like that he was running at Tommy Walsh in, in Nolan Park a few years ago so you know if a fella like that is available for your county I would imagine it's incumbent on all the parties to try and move heaven and hell to get him on the pitch the Joe Cunningham situation I think is an interesting one because usually you see club managers and even county managers as well they will milk what they can out of whatever they have. But funnily enough, and I don't think he'll get to finish out the process himself, but while Danny Sutcliffe should be involved, he's blooded all these guys. Someone is going to reap the benefits of that. I don't think Joe Cunningham will, but someone will. Because these guys, somebody's going to come in maybe next year or the year after. These guys are going to have three or four years into County Hurling at 23 or 24. And they're all, they're good players, in fairness. And they're going to maybe have more exposure at that level than even some other counties mm-hmm. will. So I think... It's admirable in a way what he's doing, but he has lost a few lads along the way that he shouldn't have lost. Yeah, like that fellow Chris Bennett, like he, he never would have gotten a game in this year's yeah. championship had it not been Jerry Cunningham. Mm. If it had been a previous management, they would have persisted with some of the older lads. And to be honest with you, you know, I watch a lot of Dublin Hurling and I wouldn't pick Chris Bennett out of a lineup. And that night down in Parky Creeve, uh, Parky Rain, he was absolutely incredible. He looked like, you know, you'd hang a team around him, like a senior team around him. So maybe that's what it takes. Maybe there's fellas there mm. who, you know, when it comes to club hurling, and club hurling is quite pedestrian in Dublin, um, when it comes to the under-21 scene and these sort of things don't quite spark it. But maybe if you give them experience at the top level, maybe they just mm. drive. Some fellas take to it a little bit easier than others. Briefly now, before we move on to picking our top championship moments and top three players, uh, if you have to pick out one county next year, who isn't Kilkenny or Tip, uh, that might sort of go the distance. What county has the potential to maybe cause a surprise? Uh, it has to be Waterford. I don't even know would we rank that as a surprise. Mm. Just the age profile of the team, um, the fact that their manager is just very sharp and very enlightened and so committed to the thing. Like they ha- like we were talking there about if you have Richie Hogan and TJ Reid, you could build a team around them. Well, like I mean, they have a fella in Austin Gleeson that you could absolutely build a team around. Still think he needs to be a little bit more aware of the fellas around him. That's probably the the mm. final piece of the jigsaw. But you know the summers that they got out of Brick Walsh and Kevin Moore, and you know those mm. fellas still aren't at the end yet. You know um, they have what it takes up front. They probably need to score a couple more goals. But like this weekend, they'll probably win an All Ireland Under Twenty One uh, title with a good few of those lads involved. And you know fellas like Jamie Barron and the title Borka as well. Like he's an outstanding hurler. So, so I'm getting Waterford because okay. he's the obvious one. Michael, if it isn't uh, Kilkenny, Tipperary, or Offaly next year, who's it going to be? <sighs> it's hard to disagree with Waterford. Um, like Limerick, they have the influx of Under Twenty Ones, but there seems to be there's a new manager coming in there, so it's very hard to see something them getting something tangible in that mm. one year Wexford again way more questions than answers probably going to be a new manager again what about Clare? 
Yeah, well, I would have looked at 2013 and I would have said in 14, I would have said Clare are going to be thereabouts. I would have said in 15, they're going to be thereabouts. Then when Don Law came in, this year was the big year. And if you're talking about systems and things like that, if ever, to me, there was a team that needs to go a bit more conventional. But again, with Davy at the helm, I just don't think, I don't think he trusts Keen Dillon and a couple of the defenders. Well, so, see, I don't think he trusts, like, besides, besides John Conlon, I don't think he just trusts that they're going to win enough possession in the air if they go six up front. You know, I mean, you could pick six Clare forwards and under provo- and say that they're all fit. That could be arguably the most talented attacking six in the country. But I just don't think that he trusts them to win enough aerial possession. Like John Conlon caused Kilkenny the biggest bother of the season mm-hmm. in that league semi final. Uh, oh, Murphy looked like a man under serious pressure that day. You know, fellow who'll probably get the All Star. Go, goalkeeper yeah, yeah. jersey this year, um, but other than that, like I mean, you know, Derek Conan is a big fella, but he's not the but fella that you want. But Shanahan maybe, like he, he surely has. Shanahan, the, possibly yeah, he's, he's only he's only nineteen. But, but, but I think he's edge of the square sort of a man too. Yeah. You know, so the problem is they have an awful lot of fellas who do an awful lot of similar things. But there, there, if ever there's a team that has been suffocated by the system, Clare look like. Oh that God, team. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it seems to me like the longer it goes on, but less talk about Clare that. Davy probably will be over the team again next year. It's kind of gone quiet. I'd I'd, there's no doubt about that. I'd answer. imagine. I, 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 I just don't see that. I just, I, he's an All Ireland winner in 2013. I, and that's that was an unbelievable achievement. But that's three years since, and I just like they're further away from winning one now than and they've ever been. You know been. what? There's a massive. If you look at it too now, maybe this is an inevitable, inevitable sort of part of having so much under 21 success, but. From the t- 2013 team, there's huge change that's that's been undergone, just in terms of playing personnel. And there's fellas who've come in and played mm-hmm. a few games and gone and weren't deemed good enough. And he, he's almost like a fella who has too many options, you know, and isn't quite sure. He's he's trying to f- build the options around his system rather than build the, the system around his options. Like, pick your best team and see what's the best way to go at it and let them let them kind of hurl because and like you know a fella like Shane O'Donnell like an extraordinary hurler a brilliant ball winning ability and great goal scorer but like I was, there was one of them, it might have been the drawn uh, drawn league final against Waterford he was playing in a one man full forward yeah. line surrounded by four players he's you know? too good to be brought down to do that yeah. like there are other players less talented without being smart that play that role and I just don't think like he's he's a scorer they, they look like a, a team who, whose players have too many things in, in their, their heads head. yeah. when they're in possession of the ball yeah. and what I mean by that is not that they have too many options but they're thinking what was the thing I was supposed to do when I have this again now maybe this is all hindsight because they lost um, but you know they haven't been good since they won no. the all they were well beaten in their two championship games as well there's no other way of looking at it either yeah. like you know yeah. ok we'll move on to top championship moments but first Ball Sports will refund all losing in play bets if the last score of your televised championship match is a goal. Download the Ball Sports app or get in store today for full details. GAA betting with Ball Sports, bring it on. Connor, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to go first of all for Bonner Mar- or Paddy Mar in the in the All Ireland semi final. Two things. First of all, the hit on Joe Canning. I've nothing against Joe Canning, but I've never been in Crow Park uh, when a hit was made like that where everybody in the stadium shuddered. It was just... An not ab- just Joe. Not just Joe. <laughs> it was a peach of a hit. Um, like he was coming along the sideline, the timing of it, and Joe's a big, strong man, well able to handle himself. And it actually poleaxed the two of them, I believe, for a little while. Mm. Uh, but it's not just for that. There was the um, his hook on Conor Cooney, or on Joe's Cooney. No, Conor Cooney. Conor Cooney, yeah, yeah late on in that game. 
goal definitely on and to get back there I, I love Potty Mar as a hurler in 2010 I thought he was going to go on and be the greatest halfback in the country and I'd say you know with JJ and Tommy Walsh now having kind of retired I think we probably put him on that on that pedestal now Michael? Um, the semi-final in Turles like the whole thing as a spectacle was just phenomenal God from start to finish you just I was sitting beside you Connor and you knew something was bubbling before the thing even started the place was just rocking and then for it to come down to that kind of one moment at the end with Park Matney standing over a free and you're just thinking, like, yeah, he's got, of all people who stand over a free, he's going to nail it. And when he did nail it to a fair extent, it was going over the crossbar. And then for Owen Murphy, like, and I don't think any picture has caught, no. like no really clear picture has caught just how amazing it was. Like his at full, the height. Yeah, his full hand was yeah. above the, the crossbar, like, and... The, without being smart, the balls to actually go and do that, like because mm. Cody said after it had consequences, and if he took, if if he dropped the ball, it was it, it was a goal. It was probably. one of those nights as well, like when you're working at a game, and y- you think the seminal moment of the match has happened, then you underline it in your notes because that's going to be your intro. I had about nine of them, <laughs> you know what I mean, and then you had the final, final, final seminal moment, which was Murphy pulling the ball down from over the crossbar. Like we had, there was an easy miss free from TJ Reid. Then he went yeah. and he nailed one. Gleeson again like he pulled balls out of the sky that night and maybe it's because it's Turles and maybe we were all get a bit kind of bleary eyed about that sort of hurling stuff but like it was a Saturday night in Turles and it was just an incredible incredible night and in terms of action and in terms of you know two narratives pulling at each other like this thing of Kilkenny wanting to keep the pretenders down and go for the three in a row the opposite narrative of here are the pretenders, and they're the one that want to get the All Ireland title. It just it, it just kept pulling at each other all night long, and you just you really weren't sure of it even after the final whistle. You had Funnily to enough, I think that had a, actually in, had a big bearing on the final as well. Like I actually I think it I did they do think it, it took an awful I think it did yeah uh, I, I think it did they're not used they're not they're not used to that either now lads in fairness they haven't had to do that over the last couple of years it's usually been a final yeah. you know and I I don't know maybe it did take a bit out I of thought it. there and then after the pitch that there was no way they're going to lose the final just if if they could survive two blasts of that from Waterford mm. I just thought no mm. they're just they've too much about them okay I'll concur with your match of the year definitely I just thought it was an incredible occasion but I'm gonna just to be different. I'm going to throw something out. Seamus Callanan's All-Ireland final performance. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think we've seen that from a player on the biggest stage of all in I don't know how many years. Yeah. To score nine points from play, one wide from play, he'd one free cut out, but it was just everything he touched turned to gold. Last yeah, like, Sunday. And you knew yeah. you, the minute he got the ball in his hands, you kinda knew that's it, over the bar. And they weren't it, going over, they were going they were going straight over as well. Yeah. They were going over the black spot. Like. He's a fellow who was completely in control of his performance as well, you know. He wasn't losing the head and you know, fist pumping the sky or anything. Like he knew exactly what he was going to do and he was just always in the process of executing. And it helps as well. We, we, like we tend to like in football and in Harlem we talk about natural footballers and natural hurlers and it's just the fellas who have that kind of balance. But Callanan is just one of those fellas you love to watch. Like he's he he's a really, really stylish looking hurler, you know. He's he's bigger and he's quicker than a fella with his touch probably should and I just thought he was magnificent and, and of course it should have been more, more than nine points from play because why Bubbles didn't give him that pass oh, with the, the, the open goal beckoning but uh, I think he saw the trip to Abu Dhabi in the Sunday game probably <laughs> maybe that himself. yeah well, just on that as well like Lara scoring three goals in All-Ireland like three goals unbelievable but that's three shots of goal nine, Shane O'Donnell's like, the same thing yeah, as well but yeah. nine points like you wouldn't dream of scoring that in an under 14 final let alone on the biggest day of the year like it was just thought it Delivering like yeah, I felt sorry. I must say as well in mitigation, I felt sorry for Joey Holland. I mm. like th- th- I'm sure 
in his heyday, JJ Delaney or Noel Hickey would have done a better job on uh, Shami Callan. But when you're left with that much space, and it was it was literally the Tipperary forward we spoke about already, but it was literally the Tipperary forwards just pulling the strings as to where the spades were being opened up. I don't think Joey Holden stood any chance. No chance. And and in fairness, like Michael Ryan deserves huge credit mm. for for bringing that out of tip. But probably you know maybe still there should be a bit of credit due to Aimee O'Shea because he was the first man who introduced this concept of creating space, movement, creation of space and chances in the tip forward line and, and we saw it there yeah, it wasn't just it, Michael Ryan brought we'd say, I would say the brawn and Eamon O'Shea had brought, and brought the brain already and they kind of merged the two of them together and it was just this unbelievable kind of painting almost but before he, us even under Eamon O'Shea like, even if you go back to 2010 under Liam Sheedy and obviously Eamon O'Shea's fingerprints were on that as well there was always beautiful movement in the Tipperary forward line but you always got the sense that Bonner's job was to pull it down out of the sky. Owen Kelly's job was to stay close to goal. And Lar's job was to do whatever it was that Lar thought was the thing to do. But you get an sense now. And it, like, don't get me wrong, he was brilliant at it. Like, you know, never has a f- free spirit been a more effective inside forward and mm-hmm. hurling. But you get a sense now that they're all playing the script, you know, and, and they're doing it in such a well-drilled way that it just looks off the cuff. OK, top three players of the championship. Uh, we'll get you each to nominate... Uh, three players and then to pick your overall my three would be Seamus Callan anybody who scores nine points in all or in a final has to be there uh, Gleeson still the greatest thrill I think I had this season was watching Ozzy Gleeson because of just the explosion of energy that he gives on the pitch like he's just incredible and Paddy Marr who I think as I've already stated I think is great yeah, I'm not going to try anyone different into that, to be honest with you. They're, they're the three that I would have picked as well, yeah, to be honest. This is terrible. I can't either because I've already committed to <laughs> last Tuesday. One, Seamus Callan, two, Austin Gleeson, three, Porrig Maher. So I think uh, that's fair enough. We'll, I, we, I'd, I'd put Polly Maher two instead of... I thought, yeah, I thought, I thought consistently out through the year he was just brilliant the whole year. While there was mm. probably not... Like, he was brilliant in the semi-final, maybe with a couple of moments. While there was no outstanding performance throughout the year... It was a steady eight, I would say. Well, actually, his player ratings in the independent, I think, this year were five eights, like right yeah. through the like championship. That's, so that's unbelievable. I'll make a case for Gleeson on the basis that there was no match that he played that I was aware of, even going through the league, where he wasn't the biggest character in the game. Now, I know. Well, the Munster final, surely. He was the Munster final, yeah. yeah. The Munster final, that was a bad day for everybody around him. But, mm. like, even in the league. And they've, they've used him in such a good way, you know, they, they get him on the ball, uh, they let him kind of do his own thing, they don't shackle him with too many responsibilities, you know, like he's the one that's going to influence the play the most. The only thing I will say is that, like he's a force of nature, but he just, he needs, you know, the, that, that final piece of the puzzle is just being a force of nature who has a better awareness of men in better positions Which with the ball. Which was probably summed up in the quarterfinal against Wexford when he hit as many teams as some teams do. Uh, yeah. As many wides <laughs> as the one day, nine yeah. as some teams do. Yeah. But is Callan your number one overall or is it Gleeson? I'm going to go for Gleeson. I'm just going to go for Gleeson. I think he's just a breath of fresh air. You know, I mean, Callan in the semi-final, Dahi Burke gave him a good roasting. And I think the best move that Mick Ryan made that day was to move Callan into the corner 
to get Dahi Burke away from the edge of the square. So it was John mm. McGrath that did the trouble. So, like, look, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to argue with Shamie Callan as hurler, mm. hurler of the air, but I just maybe it's the aesthetics of Ozzy Gleason. You know, a fella who can get that high up in the air and pull the ball down, and who has scant regard for anybody around him. I like how physical he is as well as everything else, and I just love fellas who can stick sideline cuts over the bar. I'm just, I just have a bit of a soft spot for all those things. So I give it to Gleason. Uh, before we finish, I, I can't let the occasion uh, pass without. Re- we should remember the shock of the year, which was no- nothing we've discussed so far. But oh, it was with the Westmead under twenty one hurlers <laughs> beating Kilkenny back in May. Yeah, uh, that's it from the throwing this week. My thanks to Michael Verney and Conor McKeown. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, and we'll be back next Thursday when we'll be previewing the All Ireland football final between Mayo and Dublin. Ball Sports will refund all losing in play bets if the last score of your televised championship match is a goal. Download the Ball Sports app or get in store today for full details. GAA betting with Ball Sports, bring it on. <laughs>